ain't that much about life you're just living like kerosene dancing around the fire but you're in so you jump around hello everybody welcome to episode 15 2 5 and 10 I usually go with a, a jam-packed episode, but uh, it's been a very quiet week this week. Just a couple of topics this week. Uh, going with a Monday night recording, we're off again, but it's all good. As always, accompanied by uh, my co-host, Benny Stu. Benny, give him a shout. Yo, yo, first episode of 2019, right? Yeah, yeah, because last week was right before the new year. So, yes, first one of the new year. Um, Which episode is that, 15? 15, yeah, so 15 weeks in. Trying to think of uh, the John McClain episode. I love Johnny Mac. Uh, when I was in Lowell for that year, Johnny was the head coach. Uh, great guy, pretty funny dude. And uh, I'm trying to think what else about Jimbo. He was just a nice dude, Mac. Like, just loved hanging out with him. Just nice, quiet, mellow. Total hockey guy. To- yeah, total hockey guy. Um I think when you see him on NHL Network, what you see is what you get. He's just calm, cool, collective all the time. Yeah, that kind of gives me my first tangent of the night. But his former teammate, Ken Danico, over at MSG Network, who does he does sometimes in the booth, like color analyst, sometimes he does the uh, pre and post game for the Devils. A little punch drunk. I think uh, he needs to have a little less on-air time and more just drawing up plays. Uh, random question about the devil since, well, you're not that way anymore, but does Chico, Resch, or Reese still do their games? I be- No, I think he retired a few years after Emmerich uh, just went national and left the Devils, but yeah, he was he was brutal. Uh, the sad part is the guy that replaced Emmerich, Doc Emmerich, is uh, Steve Cangelosi, who used to fill in for a range of games sometimes, and he is brutal. As a play-by-play guy, like I don't know if you've ever listened to a recent Devils home broadcast, but put it on mute. Listen to the radio. Oh, dude! Like I just remember Chico Reach and like painful. Like you, you see what happened here is uh they had a bump on that last play, and now he goes over and he and he offers to fight him, and they have a fight. And it's like oh, fuck. like you're <laughs> brutal. And he always got excited and laughed about anything that had to do with a fat ass Marty Brodeur. I'd be like, oh, look at Marty falling down right there, calling, drawing another penalty. Oh, well, they're upset about that, but, you know, Brodeur's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> um, As you can see, fuck the Devils. I I like the Devils. I, I grew up with them, but, you know, it's it's one of those things. I mean, I can knock on a broadcaster. They, they get a pretty good gig, something I'd like, so I can make fun, right? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, at one point, they beat the Rangers like 23 consecutive times, so. It was really that bad at one point? Yeah, like, during those eight years, the Rangers missed the playoffs every year. I think that was the Scott Niedermeyer, Stevens, Brodeur years, and Elias and Arnett. And it was like 23 or 22 in a row where the Rangers didn't beat them. But in fairness, though, that that was a squad, like. I almost feel bad a little bit for Jersey in times like that because I honestly don't know. Like, they were winning cups. They had Hall of Famers on the team. And still it was like no one really gave a shit. It was just kind of like they were in that Tri-City area and kind of like the ugly stepchild. They weren't the original six. They were in Jersey. So so there's definitely a couple of things 
against them for sure. Yeah, they played Oleon in the Meadowlands, which isn't a great area to get to if you're living on the other side of the Hudson River. But besides that, they came in, like you said, they were an original six, so the Rangers were fully entrenched in northern New Jersey. And then they came in like almost right after, or maybe like the year before the Islanders went on their dynasty streak. Have you been to the new place, the Prudential? Uh, I have been for a Devils-Rangers game. It's a nice building, the area around it. Like, once you go two blocks in any direction away from the arena, it's not great. It's so a really nice place. Yeah, Newark dot, is... Uh, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> it's, up, it's, it's up and coming, I'll say that. <laughs> Jesus, you, you sound like everywhere around Boston now. Every, everywhere's up and like, move to Dorchester Center. It's up and coming. Like, yeah, you'll see me there, pal. <laughs> They just got a nickname Dorchester or something else to get all the hippies to move in like they used to in New York City with like Alphabet City and Soho and everything else. Yeah, what do they call them? Uh, Dot. M- move to Dot. Like The only thing you have to <laughs> offer me in Dot is cheap rent. I'm, I'm all set. Thanks. And death on Dorchester. Move to Dot. Yeah, what yeah, shit. Um, I guess we'll go right into the biggest story of the week. What was your whole take on the World Juniors? I mean... I thought the showing on all ends was phenomenal, whether it was the hockey, whether it was the upsets. Uh, The final hurt me a little bit. I I thought U.S. got hosed a little bit, but we'll we'll go into that in detail. What's your overall thought? Uh, As a guy who entered into it not fully up to speed on all the prospects that were playing in a tournament, and that's admittedly my fault on my end, but I thought the level of play was great. Uh, I knew a lot of the guys going in because the Rangers holding such a high draft pick this past draft. So guys like Wallstrom and Krasoff, obviously for the Rangers, but a lot of guys that I was familiar with on that end. Uh, but the play was great. I was shocked that Canada got upset uh, and I didn't even make it to the gold medal game. Uh, Team USA, uh, like we mentioned in our post, congratulating Finland. That's four straight tourneys that they've medaled, I think is... Uh, the longest streak in junior championships uh, history, but um, just great play all around. It was nice to see my boy uh, Krasos play so well with some of those uh, nice assists uh, for Team Russia. But yeah, I was not expecting Finland to be Team Team USA in a final. No, I wasn't expecting that either. But I mean, talk about them getting there. Talk about like the craziest turn of events. Like that kid for Canada has that open net like buried. Stick snaps. Yeah, Noah Dobson. Yeah, Dobson stick snaps. Finland comes the other way, scores. Overtime winner, that's it. Um, and did you see the Finnish hockey uh, stick company sent him one? I was just about to say that. That's awesome. I mean, talk about like throwing a little salt on the wound, a little bit of fun. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, definitely a tough break for Canada. That, uh, uh, he's French. Comtois, Comtui. Uh, that guy kind of got a little bit rough. I mean... Bigger kid, he was kind of flopping around out there. Definitely didn't get the uh, best reputation, especially being Canada's captain, too. Like, you want to talk about already being in the spotlight and everything, and then you start flopping around. Probably not the best look. Um, I'm not going to chirp a kid that's 18, 19 years old. That's not me. I mean, he's already. Yeah, I would shit a brick. Oh, yeah, dude. Being that, like, that's brutal. Um, Why was he getting so many, like, threats after the tournament? Like, I know he missed on that penalty shot, but like 
What do you want him to do? Dude, it's because they're fucking losers. Like, they they live in their mother's basement, and, like, they, they want to, like, chirp a kid who's 18, 19 years old. It's like, don't be mad because I'm good enough to play World Junior, and you weren't even good enough to play Pee Wee. Like, sorry, I appreciate you buying the Hockey Canada jersey, but uh, you can go now. Yeah, and that's a great way to develop a relationship with hopefully a Canadian player who's going to make the league and might play on future Olympic teams if the NHL goes back to that, where that's optional. He can just decide not to play for Team Canada because of the shit he gets now. Yeah, and I mean, I wonder how many people that's actually happened to like previously where they run into something like that and they're like, you know what, they're like I did it once, it was an honor to represent my country, but all the bullshit I went through, like I'm just not doing it again. Yeah. Um, off of the Canadians going to USA, that goal they called back was bullshit. Oh yeah. Um, granted, like I'm not making excuses for the team, but I think if they score there, that's their first power play of the game. It's early in the game. Like the play starts rocking. When they go upstairs and they show the video review, I'm watching this thing and. I know Wallstrom scored the goal. I, I forgot who went through the crease, but he doesn't even touch the goalie. Like, he doesn't touch the goalie. It, a weird kind of fluke of events. Puck came up. I believe it hit the crossbar, then it hit the glass, and then it bounced back over the net and in front and finally popped around, ends up on Wallstrom's stick, buries it. They call it off, say goaltender interference, even though, like I said, the goalie wasn't touched. The That forward coming in wasn't in the crease until the puck was already there, like, I know IIHF has all these wild and crazy rules that, I mean, I don't think anybody knows, like, from the normal hockey side of things. Like, you think it's a normal hockey play, and IHF's like, well, no, um, a quarter of the butt of your stick was in the crease. I know it was vertical, but that doesn't count. So, just a little strange. It's a hole in 98. Yeah, exactly. Like, legitimately, the, the way it breaks down is weird to me. But, um... I think if they score that goal, that's their first power play. It's huge early in the game. Gets the boys going. And it might have the goalie Iko Paka looking in or whatever on his, <laughs> on his toes a little bit. But um, after that, the U.S. power play kind of died down. Uh, they kept going for that cross-ice pass every time. It seemed like Finland was waiting for it to break up. And the couple of chances that it did go through, it was just bad puck luck. Like puck bouncing off sticks, over sticks. I'll tell you what, though, Hughes from that half wall, when he would shoot the puck, that thing would come off like a laser, dude. He wouldn't hit the net, but that thing would just fly. (laughs) I was just sitting there like, wow, that was a wrist shot. He just like completely just turned his hands and snapped this thing like, holy fuck. Yeah, the thing for me was, like I said, coming into it pretty fresh, I was kind of surprised about how some of the top prospects like a Philip uh, Sedina kind of underperformed in a tournament. And I wonder if that kind of takes some of their top prospects shine off or if the teams just look at it as like small sample size or whatever. But I don't think having a good tournament hurts you because, some, like I said, Kravtsov having a good one for Team Russia, who's the Rangers' first-round pick, only helps them. But I don't know if a bad tournament has that much of a lasting impact or if it kind of is like, well, okay. I don't know. I mean, I know when it comes to actual draftees for the year, it's definitely huge. But I think it's another big thing, too, for all the scouts to see 
drafted players for when it comes to trade deadline time and there's a prospect thrown in there. Like, yeah, I, I think people definitely want to know as to who is and who isn't. Definitely interesting that on that Finnish team, uh, for the Bruins at least, Euro and he hasn't played since that Borietsky elbow and he was down there playing. Um, I believe he was the first one of the uh, penalty box signees. I, I believe he was the first one that got tracked down. But um, no, so I mean, it was good to see that he's at least playing again because I, I haven't seen him since or heard anything about him. Another interesting name for me was uh, that Ely Tolvanen from Nashville. He, he was supposed to be up with the big club this year, but he's only been playing in Milwaukee. So maybe that's a future trade to look forward to. I mean, seeing a lot of him. Uh, a little snake bit, and he didn't have any goals, but I think he had like 30 shots throughout the tournament. So the kid was definitely shooting for one. Didn't get it, but he was definitely going. Uh, another Finnish kid was that now the second overall projected pick this year that Kako Kapko like talk about it yeah name. talk <laughs> about a name but um seeing you're the gonna gym, get chirped a lot oh uh, yeah exactly I mean the, yeah what are you on the cock kid but um <laughs> one thing was the difference between him and Hughes at least what I thought Hughes seemed like really electrifying like when Jack had the puck it was like something was bound to happen and this other kid, anytime he had the puck, it seemed more like methodical, like really thought out, like hockey play to the max. And it didn't seem yeah, like slowed it was, down. Yeah, like there was any just bad play. Like that last goal, just in the dirty area, knocking in a rebound. Um, I just, I had one other thing and I jumped the gun. I completely forgot what it was. So, oh, that, that's what I was going to say. They reminded me. How about, of, uh, okay. Oh, like, you ever play men's league and you go out and like you see a bunch of old timers on the other end and you're like, oh, dude, we're about to fucking like donkey kick these guys. <laughs> and you go and they just make like these crisp, short tape to tape passes. And it's like, bing, bang, boom, they're out of the zone. Th- that's kind of what Finland reminded me of. Like there was there wasn't any crazy stretch plays. Everything was short. It was precise. It was quick and it was going like their power play like. There wasn't like anyone like walking a half wall. It was like he would take one step past the puck, like boom, boom, like it was just going all over the place. I was like, wow, like it looked really good. I mean, it's stereotypical, but just the whole uh, like Sweden and Finland are just well-rounded, well-coached prospects that are more NHL ready than like Team USA products or Canada that might need a year or two in juniors or half a season in the A when they come over. Uh, I know that's very stereotypical, but that team, like you said, Finland was very well structured and they were stayed within uh, kind of the outlines of what the coach drew up for them. And it was probably the reason why they won it, obviously. But yeah, it's just a lot of talent overall that made it uh, to the medal rounds. And interesting for the Rangers with the trade deadline coming up and us being sellers, so... I think one other cool thing about the tournament, I know we talked about it for a little bit, is I would say definitely seeing the parity in it now. Like, it always used to be Canada-Russia. Like, we would always play Canada and get smoked. And then 2010, that first gold medal for the U.S. kind of, I think it made people change their perspective a little bit, or at least, uh, you know, it was luck. You know, they got an overtime goal. And then the U.S. have come out and they've won a couple of golds. Finland, anytime they've medaled, has been gold lately. Um, 
Sweden, the same thing. Canada, the same thing. I feel like Russia has kind of fell off a little bit, but still definitely like a world power in that sense. But I just, I just like the parody of it that there's more than one team winning it. Like it used to just be the Canada Invitational. Canada won every year. But it's just nice seeing it spread out a little bit more for sure. And what about the, I think he's the captain for Team Russia, just like cursing out the fans that were booing him after uh, Russia uh, one of the games ended. Do you see that? Yeah, I saw that. I, I mean, I don't know if the fans were booing him or whatever it was. It was yeah, it was. To, I, I, was it just the end of the game? Did he win like player of the game or whatever it was? But yeah, he like kicked his helmet down the thing, told the fans "fuck you," and yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like I don't get it. Like I know one of the Ranger guys, uh, Lies Henderson, when he finished in second took his silver medal and just threw it in the crowd uh, last year, the year before. For the record, I know people said bad things about that, but I thought that was awesome. Like, yeah, in the sense too. of, like, you know what, I didn't come here to win silver. I mean, granted, it sucks because the whole world is looking at him and he gets, like, a bad name, but, like, you got to respect it. Like, you know, I came all the way here. Once, like, when you lose the Stanley Cup, you don't get a medal. You get yeah. just as much time off as the team who won. In the regular season starts. So, I mean, I get it. Yeah, and the Rangers need guys like that who are just tired of fucking losing and will do anything to win. So I'm glad uh, they took him in the first round, kind of has that mentality. Uh, he's in the A, back in the A now, but yeah, definitely a building block. Well, speaking of tired of losing, my boys, the Bruins, on a four-game fucking heater, um... Boys are looking good. Winter Classic, big, huge W on New Year's Day. Um, had a battle back in the game. Your thoughts on the Winter Classic as a whole? I mean, I thought it was actually decent hockey for once. I know sometimes in the Winter Classics, there's always the questionable goal or something like that where it's like, oh, the goalie should have had that. But I thought this was like playing-wise probably the best Winter Classic that there's been. Uh, yeah, it's, it was definitely better than last year's, which pains me since the Rangers were involved, but it was Ranger Sabres. Um, definitely the play was good, um, good game uh, to showcase the league on New Year's Day for everybody who was hopefully hung over and just laying on a couch and just turned on a TV and started hockey and kept it on. Uh, my takeaway, and I think I said this during a little preview, can we? I know they announced that the Dallas Stars are going to be hosting Next year's Winter Classic uh, in somewhere in Dallas. Uh, they said it's the Con Bowl, uh, which is outdoors, not the Cowboys Stadium. Can we please not have the fucking Blackhawks in it again next year or a stadium series with them? Can we please have the Bruins or the Penguins or the Capitals? Like, please, anybody. No, anybody. I, I think they got to put, like, a Western Conference team out there. Um I don't want to say Texas and L.A., like Dallas and L.A., but, like, Minnesota's out there. I mean, you want to talk about a team that's hot. Nashville's hot out that way. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just curious to see who that other team's going to be. Do you have any ideas, or do you think any ideas marketing-wise as to who it should be? Like, you know, maybe get Minnesota back there so it's North Stars versus the Stars. Well, the Wild versus the Stars, whatever you want to call it. I, I don't know, just throwing out some things. Yeah, I think my first reaction when I heard Dallas was in it was 
and Minnesota would be paired up with them, and they can have a like both teams in their retro jerseys would kind of end up looking the same, I think, because uh, the stars have embraced their Minnesota background. So I think that's natural. It's not really a robbery. It's just like a historical precedent uh, that could attract some casual fans to the events. Outside of Minnesota, I mean, Dallas doesn't really have that natural robbery, which I think is why the NHL is looking at Houston. Like, they have Arizona playing in the Central next year. The owner in Houston wants it. I'm not saying that they would be there in time for the Winter Classic next year, but I think they're trying to develop a rivalry for the Stars that way. So if I had to give, like, two guesses, I would say it's either going to be the Wild or I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, Vegas. I like the Vegas pick. Um, So they came up with the ratings, actually, for the Winter Classic. And, of course, you had boston chicago and then it came in with like i believe it was like hartford in new york and then the next biggest market after that was vegas so people who say that vegas Vegas isn't a hockey market they're they're sadly mistaken because that had the fifth you know highest volume of watchers so I, i think it's cool when you can actually bring hockey to a place that's what grassroots or whatever like somewhere where it's completely starting from the ground up and you can actually make fans out of it as opposed to places where it doesn't work, also known as the Florida Panthers. So just saying, <laughs> it's just nice seeing it actually work and take off. Yeah, and speaking of the stars, uh, this is my second tangent of the podcast, and this is why we always go an hour. But ever since that little public outburst by their CEO or team president or whatever, uh, they won... Seven of ten. Um, they are in fourth place in the Central. They're on, They're tied for third with the Avalanche. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to do anything about the top two powerhouses, National and Winnipeg. But their play has picked up a little bit. Sagan's play has picked up a little bit. And I wanted to highlight that and the fact that Buffalo is falling back down to earth. Montreal is a point behind them. Uh, the Sabres have only the three, five, and two in the last ten. Uh, even goal differentials, I think, unfortunately, that you know, that might be hitting midnight for the Sabres' magical season there. But, uh, yeah, Dallas next year should be interesting with the ice level uh, in Texas. One other thing since we brought up the whole CEO's comments. Did you see, so Tyler Sagan did, like, the big boy response and you know yeah my play hasn't been there definitely gonna try to pick it up so on and so forth jamie ben comes back with the response of i play for the guys in the room and to me that's like oh like uh, it almost sounds like you want to get dealt at that point because it's like (laughs) but no i mean to to basically you know the ceo saying it from what the owner is telling him so through yeah. that, when Ben comes back and says, I play for the guys in the room, not I play for the guy who pays me, I think there's a little bit of friction there. For me, I think that's the exact reaction that they wanted. They wanted pissed off Jamie Ben. They wanted him to, they wanted a lot of fire under his ass because they were questioning his leadership as team captain. So I think this was like a last grasp to see what they can do with them and turn their season around a little bit. And the fact that 
he took it so personally. I think it's exactly what the owner and CEO wanted. Well, good. Maybe they got what they wanted. Um, <laughs> see, our collective ADD went from this year's Winter Classic to possibly next year's. Uh, <laughs> I'm all over the place. <laughs> to, to Arizona moving to Houston, back to the star CEO. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we had an outline for the show. Only this year's Winter Classic was on it, so we're kind of all over the place. Uh, <laughs> do you want to talk about your ranges? Uh, unfortunately, I will. Um, you know, the Rangers obviously are rebuilding. Uh, they started off pretty poorly, which was expected, um, even though they kept most of the team intact from last year, which was odd to me over the summer. Uh, they had their little mirage of a 9-1-1 streak uh, in November, which kind of propped them up for the season. Now, they've lost three in a row to start 2019. They've been outscored 18 to three in those games. They have had Hank playing. They've had Georgiev playing. Uh, Shattenkirk's come back. Zuccarello's come back. Buchnevich is back. It doesn't matter. Uh, David Quinn has a big job ahead of him to kind of stem this tide. They're rebuilding, obviously, but you don't want uh, them to just bottom out and have all these, not all these prospects, but the prospects that are after like Heedle just enter this league in a losing culture. So the calendar slipped to 2019. I think it's very much the time for uh, the Rangers to start looking at dealing with some of the veterans as soon as possible. Don't wait until a deadline. You want to get these guys out. You want Quinn to start coaching the guys that are going to be here for the next few years. Uh, so that means Zuccarello, who's having a really bad year, uh, start taking best offers for him. You can start looking at moving somebody like Shattenkirk, who, despite his poor play for the Rangers, he only has two years left at $12 million, uh, or $13 million. He's a right-handed shot who can play on somebody's second pair and top power play unit, which is still valuable around the league. So seeing what you can get back from for him, uh, unload that contract. Outside of that, it's kind of bit pieces, unless the Rangers really do want to move someone like a Kevin Hayes, which can bring back a pretty nice return. I know the Bruins would be interested. The Jets would be interested. Um, the main thing is it's a rebuilding year, but they're not really playing a lot of young guys. And the Rangers actually have the second highest paid defense core in the league. And they're one of the worst defensive teams in hockey. I think they've given up the most shots by over 108 to the second place team. So it's just a jumbled mess of they're rebuilding, but have veterans that they need to move some veterans they can't move because of the contract. And the young guys that they traded for at last year's deadline, like uh, uh, Lindgren, aren't that ready to jump into into the big boy league. So con- Rangers are kind of in a purgatory at the moment. I'm sorry. Um, one thing, it, it breaks my heart for you guys. Like, I understand the part of a rebuild I feel awful for Hank, just like yeah. the, the time's definitely ticking for him. And it's like, do, do you think you guys would ever deal Hank in, in like in the respect part of it of like giving him to a contender like St. Louis? Say St. Well, they're not even in the playoff hunt, but if the beginning, I, of I the mean, I can see that St. Louis wanting him in the summer. Yeah, no, but I'm saying like, like at the beginning of the year, we thought St. Louis was going to be a contender, but we always brought up their goaltending. So say if they were actually on fire going into the playoffs in that area 
and they traded for Hank, like for a chance at the cup, would you be like, okay, that's fine. I can, I can send you away. So the thing for me is like, I obviously feel bad for Hank. Every time he faces 40 shots and more in a game, I let him handle my visual for him in my apartment. Um, he has a full no trade clause. He's paid eight and a half million for the next for the rest of this season and next year. He's indicated he doesn't want to leave New York. He's happy to be part of the rebuild and be a leader for the organization, which is great. Like he's been a great Ranger. If there was a team out there that I was willing to, it would have to be an offer that isn't on level with what his value is if you took his name away and just player A. Because the Rangers would be trading a franchise icon. We can't send him for like a B-level prospect and a second-round pick. So I don't know if there was a team out there that was willing to pony up a big enough package and they were a legitimate contender. I, If you're the Rangers, you have to do it. Because you have a responsibility for the next five years hopefully in the next seven to be a contender and not just worry about uh, keeping a legend around because he doesn't want to move, which would, it kills me. But I just don't know if Hank would actually move. If he was willing to move, I think the Rangers would definitely take a big package in return for him, and no pun intended. <laughs> well, well, yeah, because there's one strapped to him. But um, one <laughs> other thing. Oh, if you sprayed that coffee all over that mic, I would have lost it. Um <laughs> I think the biggest thing with him, too, is how much he legitimately loves New York as a city in the sense of everything he does there. Like, they've had that conversation, and he's like, legit, I can go to practice in the morning, and by the afternoon, I'm at the studio playing guitar. So he just kind of loves yeah. the city, loves the appearance, loves the fashion. The guy just does it all, and he's strung like a horse. Can I throw out a nightmare scenario for a Rangers fan? You know, let's say the Rangers are will, willing to entertain trading Hank. Hank has looked at the situation, and he's like, wow, I thought we'd be able to turn around in a year or two. So I would stick it out, but it looks like it's going to be longer than that. I want a chance to win a cup. Move me, get whatever you can, best offer back in return. You know, he loves New York so much. There is a team that it's in need of a goaltender that's doing pretty well out in Brooklyn. That's uh, kind of competing in the Metro Division with some shitty goaltending. I mean, and technically he wouldn't yeah, have to move or do anything else, so that that wouldn't be yeah. a bad thing for him. Can you imagine him lifting a cup in an Islander uniform? That would be like legitimately for you guys all time worse. Like, I think you would have to fold up the organization. Oh, oh <laughs> like, dude, that parade there would be beer bottles just thrown at msg like that, that, be that would get like, bragging rights to islanders fans forever we won your cup with lundquist um since we're talking about i saw him on the all-star roster i just want to touch on those real quick this three-on-three yeah. -three thing like i get it it's extremely exciting so on and so forth some people do not deserve to be on here just based off of no i get you need one from every team. But, like, Jimmy Howard as one of the goalies for the Atlantic Division is an absolute joke. Um, another thing I noticed this year, too, is a lot of guys are currently hurt, and I don't know if they're even going to go play. Like, 
Eichel's currently hurt. Uh, Price was selected, but he's not representing the team. Thomas Shabbat is currently hurt. Um, I remember the Ovechkin Metro- stepping out. Yeah, Ovechkin said he's not going. Um, I just want to. Do you think the All Star Game is kind of getting a little bit tainted, kind of like the NFL Pro Bowl a little bit? Like, I remember growing up, the biggest thing for me wasn't even the actual game; it was always the skills competition the night before. Yes, like, that's what I loved. So for me, the game was always extra. But now it's always it's a different format. It's only divisions where it used to be the whole like. Do you remember the super studded Eastern Conference versus the West? Like Mario Lemieux, Yarmir Yager, Ray Borg, yeah. like those massive, blue stars uniforms, dude. Oh my god! Like if I could get one of those, I don't even care who. Like hung on the wall instantly. So the thing with the All Star game for me is, like you said, three on three. It's Atlantic uh, Eastern Conference versus Western Conference. It's Team North America versus the World. Like they change up so much. Like why if you that just shows that you guys know it's not working so to like casual observers are gonna be like well this is a joke uh the all-star game is the all-star game like i don't think anybody ever took it that seriously but again i think just part of the reason why it's so lackluster is it kind of falls back on the NHL marketing when we were growing up and this isn't nostalgia talking you had matchups of gretzky versus lemieux you had hashik and goal and Owen Nolan pointing at him on a breakaway. Like so you had, sick. if you look back at those rosters, it's just Hall of Famers up and down, up down the lineup, and like household names on both conferences teams. Now it's oh Ovechkin and Crosby. Oh, is Jonathan Taves playing? Oh, okay, who else is there? Lundqvist. All right. If you ask a casual fan who Thomas Shabbat is, they're not going to know. And not anything against him. He's a good young player. It's how, what's the marketing being done for it outside of it's three on three, come vote for the team captain, and then you get to see him pick teams. Yeah, do, do you remember that? The two years they actually did like the picking of the teams? I thought that was hilarious. Kessel was last the first year, right? Yeah, what a beauty, too. <laughs> um. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we grew up, it was star power, man. Now it's just like, yeah, it's an exhibition. The skills competition is boring now. Like, I think it's too long. Uh, they changed it up a little bit too much. I don't know. It's partly nostalgia, partly the NHL is just not doing a good job marketing it to everybody. It, it just sucks, too, because, like, I, I don't want to say snubs because the league's very good. But, like, when they compact these rosters a little bit, like, per division and one team each, like, one person for the central division, yet again, like you said, marketing part of it, huge name for the league, P.K. Subban. Not on the roster. Uh, he's getting his own show. I know. I saw that. He's, he's going to be taken away from our viewers. So he's out. <laughs> um, another thing that I thought was interesting was, yet again, one of those things when you look at player-wise, John Carlson selected for his first All-Star appearance. Like, John Carlson's usually a one of the top five, six defensemen in the league every year. Points wise, and this is his first All Star selection. Yeah. So, is it just because Ovi backed out? Like, I don't know how they break that down, but I, I don't know. I just feel like some people throughout the years have gotten snubbed, and he's definitely one of them. You know, kudos to him for finally getting there. And one interesting thing was Sidney Crosby elected to the All Star team, 
and it's quote unquote only his fourth appearance. So whether he's been injured at certain times or so on and so forth, I just find that very interesting. Yeah, he's been in the league for since what? Was five or six? Yeah, at least oh six, if not oh five, yeah. So twelve years of being the face of the NHL and technically it's only his fourth all star selection. It's perfect time every year for a sprained ankle. Um Speaking of Sid, <laughs> the, the other thing I want to say is like, I uh, sorry, but you just said like the three on a three. Each roster from each division only has two defensemen selected. What happens if one of them gets hurt? Dude, not even that. You, you know how like I know guys aren't really trying, but you know how gassed you are playing three on three up and down the ice. Like I don't care if you're an all star. Like playing thirty minutes. <laughs> yeah, like it's insanity, and then on top of it, it's out in San Jose. So for guys who have to fly all the way back to the East Coast, like. They're dogged. Like that that's a tough day. Yeah, speaking of that, I will be uh at the skills competition and I'll also be doing NHL fan fest with getting a picture with the cup because that's as close as this Rangers fan will ever fucking get to that thing. Um doing some skills competitions myself. So I will let everybody know how hard my slap shot is and I'll post my photo. You you gonna live pot it? Just sign on. Oh, should I do like a do like a video like man on a street? Yeah, do do like a two five and ten live, and just like just start yeah. cranking pucks. I should just go up and start chirping fans from other teams and ask them questions, get the reaction on camera, make it like a three four minute video. <laughs> I, I like that. Yeah, we can hand out. See, that would be perfect for us to hand out two five and ten apparel. We gotta get some shit made. Uh, yeah. Well, we have about two weeks to get that done. <laughs> well. We'll pay for the rush order. Uh, Redder's got to connect us with her her connection. Yeah, we can we can talk about that after. I mean, the, the, that stitched hat does look pretty good. Uh, one other thing we were talking about, Sid. Did you see that this week after a game at MSG, he got a penalty. One guy was chirping him in the box, but from what they said, I guess it was good chirping. It wasn't like distasteful or anything like that i guess he had sid laughing i guess he had the whole section laughing and then after the game i guess one of the trainers walked up to him with a stick signed by sid that said uh you know nice chirps take it easy on me next time and he signed a stick for him which i actually i think that's pretty cool yeah that is cool uh i had two reactions to that my first one was my favorite chirp that he had was Pierre. Pierre doesn't wish that you have a good time out there. <laughs> <laughs> All time. <laughs> and that's that's the one I got Crosby laughing because of how fucking creepy Pierre McGuire is, and it ends every interview on a bench with, "All right, Jonathan, go out there and have a good have a good time." <laughs> um, my my other reaction was just that's how far the Rangers have fallen. The Penguins used to be like in Crosby's era, like. One of the big rivals. There was always an intense rivalry game. We met in the playoffs a bunch of times. Now it's just, oh, a Rangers fan chirped me, and it was nice, so I gave him a sec. Like, Jesus Christ, can we get any more of a pity party at the Garden? You know, the the face of the league doing charity work, and this is how you treat them. Unbelievable. Charity work. I don't want your goddamn charity. Get out of the Garden. Oh. If I was him, if I was that guy and Crosby saw me getting a stick, I would have, I would have waved over to him like, oh, thank you, and cracked it over my thigh and threw it back onto the ice. I would have kept the blade where the autograph was, but I would have threw the shaft. <laughs> the shaft yeah. <laughs> I'll hang this on my wall. It's the, I only got enough room for the blade. 
going into it, I mean, it's it's been a pretty quiet week. Uh, should we go into games of the week, locks of the week, or we got anything else to uh, touch on? Uh, I think I used up my two quotas for tangents for this week's episode, but yeah, we can definitely go into game locker weeks and drop in some knowledge of history. All right. Um, my game of the week, it's a little biased, but I think on my own end, it's kind of a test for us. So on Thursday, January 10th, Washington is visiting the garden and playing the Bruins. Um, for whatever reason, we just do not play good against Washington. Like they just always come in steamroll us. They shit kick us. Um, to me, it's kind of a makeup for opening night where they just destroyed us. I'm hoping, like legitimately hoping that they can, I don't know, just make something happen against them. For whatever reason, like we just never play good against them. So I'm just hoping for something, just to show up. Show up and play. Ha- have fun out there, as Pierre would say. Um, <laughs> my lock of the week is Colorado at Calgary. I'm going with Calgary. They've been on a bit of a tear right now. Uh, Colorado's actually playing the night before, too, at Edmonton. I mean, not Edmonton, Winnipeg. So they got a traveled night into a game the next day. So I think that fear is pretty good for Calgary out in the Red Sea up there. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take some time and uh, post an updated standings for our Lock of the Weeks, by the way, uh, once this episode posts on our social media, just so everybody knows uh, who's in the lead. We still have to come up with what the loser has to do, uh, so we'll have to figure that one out. But uh, this week, my game of the week uh, is also on Thursday. It's taking place in Vegas. We got the Sharks on the road. Uh, Vegas has won... Let me check real quick. I think it's like six in a row. Yeah, six in a row. Uh, yeah, they fought, yeah, six in a row. They moved into second place out in the Pacific. Uh, Calgary is still holding strong at the top of that division. Uh, but Vegas and San Jose uh, still within striking distance of first place, but possibly battling for that home ice advantage in a first-round matchup between the two. Uh, so that's my game of the week pick. My lock of the week pick. going to be heading over into the weekend. And I know there's certain teams that you kind of pick up on week after week where it's like Tampa Bay or San Jose, teams like that. But this week, I'm going to go a little bit off the board, and I'm going to say my lock of the week is at home, a fired-up Jamie Benn, a passive-aggressive Tyler Sagan taking on the struggling St. Louis Blues. (laughs) I like that, passive-aggressive. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And wrapping up with... uh, Today in NHL history, uh, as you mentioned earlier, it's a Monday recording, so it's for January 7th. I'm uh, going to start off all the way back in 1980. The Philadelphia Flyers, 35-game on a beaten streak, which is still the longest in North American team sports history, uh, ended when they lost 7-1 to the Minnesota North Stars. Uh, Philly was 25-0-10 in the previous 35 games. Hold on, wait. Nice but, little winning streak but, for them. But before we go any further... I believe in the last 17 games, Tampa's rolling, and they're like 15-0-2, so maybe Tampa makes a run. Oh, shit. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. Tampa's like an Olympic team playing in NHL. Um, next on the list, we got... Oh, I lied. They just lost. Uh, the last game, they lost. But before that, they were 15-0-2, so 15-1-2. 
Oh, well, that record's still still good. They should be popping champagne like the Dolphins do every year. Some the last undefeated team loses. Um, nineteen ninety nine. Uh, cool hand Luke. Luke Robitaille of the Kings becomes the twenty seventh player to reach five hundred goals. Uh, he scored two goals against goaltender Dwayne Rollison against the Buffalo Sabers. The Kings won four to two. And lastly, in two thousand and four, Brian Boucher who has turned out to be a pretty damn good analyst uh, for the NHL. He was playing for Phoenix Coyotes, becomes the first NHL goaltender in 55 years to have four consecutive shutouts. He is the, last, the last goalie with four straight shutouts is Bill Dernan of the Canadians from February 6th to March 6th, 1949. Real quick before we wrap up, I, I forgot to touch on it earlier because, like I said, our ADD had us all over the place. Um you get again another Bruins Blues rumor. This one concerning Braden Shen coming to Boston. And Ooh, that's gonna be a big package you have to offer for that. Well, yeah, I mean I'm not offering any of mine, but um <laughs> but yeah, no, um if there is a deal to be done, I would definitely be interested to see who's in it, who's not. Uh as I've always said, keep DeBrusque. You can Dale Heinen, you can Dale Bjork, you can Dale some of those lower name guys, but I think you have to hold on to Jake. But oh Jesus Christ, that's gross. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, no, um, I would definitely Just gotta like, put that coke down. Oh Jesus Christ, I, I well now I'm gonna sound like awful. So I went to like a wake earlier today, <laughs> and as I was sitting there, like I've been fine allergy wise, but from all the flowers at the wake, I could just feel it going in my eye. So here we go, like left eye starts getting itchy, the nose gets runny, and it's like now it's been the whole rest of the day. So, um, I mean, it's okay, you got emotional, it's awake, man. Whatever, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, your your thoughts on seeing a uh, Braden Chen come to Boston? So, my initial reaction is why not your boy Kevin Hayes? You know, fills in that 3C role pretty well, can play the wing if you guys need to, two way guy. Probably cost a little bit less than trading for Braden Shen because if I'm St. Louis, why am I dealing him? Yeah, you had a shit year this year, but you have the team in place to, like, all you have to contend with is Colorado, Dallas, and Minnesota to make the playoffs next year out of the uh, Central Division. So if I was them, I really wouldn't start tearing it down unless they're going to get, like, a big return, like a DeBrusque, which I don't think Boston wants to move. But if when it comes to Hazy... Off the top of your head, what are you willing to give up? Just give me give me an idea of what I can kind of siphon out of you guys. I think the hardest part, well, it, it's hard to say it because, like, on the other end, I was going to be like, obviously it's not a contract that's on the books for the next couple of years, so I don't want to give up a first. But we did that last year with Rick Nash, so I guess there's not certain things that are on or off the table. I mean, if you guys are definitely looking to rebuild – um, I, I mean, some of the forward prospects on paper seem pretty good. So being deep in that role, I mean, I guess it kind of depends as to what you guys are looking for. And I know Bjork's in the AHL. He hasn't come up since the beginning of the year. He's been drowned down there a little bit. So, I mean, Heinen's a decent player. Like I said, really quiet. But, I mean, he just kind of chugs along. You don't notice him being bad. You don't notice him being good. Um. Donato, there's always some sort of spark of, wow, he's really good, or wow, I don't know if he can play at this level. So, 
I, I don't know. It's, we just it's, have plenty of that already. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's just, it's. I honestly don't know what a return would be just with how the trade line deadline has been like the last couple of years. It's so hard to predict as to what packages would be and how people hold this first round pick to such a higher level now that it's one of those things that people aren't willing to give it up. So they're like, oh, well, if unless we get a first round pick, we're not doing it. And that was what happened. It was two years ago with Louis Erickson that no one offered the Bruins a first round pick and that's why they kept them. So they said they were offered a second, but they didn't want a second. So if I'm a Rangers though, just really quick, I first round pick is nice. We just have a lot of young guys that are too far away in the system from helping the big boy clubs. So if I'm them, I'm looking for NHL roster or on a cusp of being NHL ready prospects or young players in return. Maybe not a, the brusque, but if you guys have a nice prospect who's a right-handed shot that can play top six wing, I'd be all in on that. Don't worry, we'll trade him and he'll become a superstar. I think we already had a couple of those. <laughs> uh, any shout-outs this week? There is a shout-out this week. Very near and dear to my heart. I'm tapping myself on the back. Uh, went out Friday night, played some schoolyard puck for the first time, I believe since Cam's been born. Like I've gone out in skates and I've shot a couple of times, but I don't think I've actually strapped on. Uh, four goals in the return. Should have had six. But um, outside of my wind and well, being... Well, we know how much you love strap on, so... Yeah, exactly. So um, outside of being fat and having no wind... I, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, three of them, snipes. But uh, the other one was just a little squeaky through the thing. But, you know, for for those wondering, and because I can talk and you're going to listen, um, first one, top shelf, short side, how are you? Uh, second one was I got the pass, full cross ice cross thing, buried that one. Third one was just kind of a... Uh, Backhand in front of the net when five hole popped through. And then the fourth one, this one was pretty. Come in two on one, the guy's kind of leaning towards the pass, and I just rifle one right on the ice, five hole. Whew, daddy was failing it. But the problem was this the two that I should have had, like five and six, uh, the breakaway one upset me. The 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 puck kind of popped. Oh. oh, dude, this one, like. <laughs> The, the puck popped through. I wasn't expecting it to, so I get it on my forehand at the top of the circle. I come in. I fake shot. Absolutely school a goalie out of his pants. I go to go around to go backhand, and I let an absolute muffin go, and I post it. And I was like, you oh. got to be shitting me. Well, I mean, it's nice that you got you popped it at four goals, but have you got any sauces on that score sheet, or are you still a selfish player? No, no, no. There was a couple apples there. I just wasn't <laughs> counting them. It was just one of those. I was just so happy to be back. I only counted the goals. So, but but there's definitely a couple of apples. Uh, nothing better than a uh, snapping one tape to tape right up the boards to someone cutting across. It was, it was nice. So I'm hoping to play again this Friday night. We'll uh, we'll see. TBD. Yeah, I mean, once I get back on the East Coast, which my goal is. Definitely by the end of this year, but hopefully some more time at the latest. I am looking forward to. I don't want to play, be one of those beer league, men's league guys that are like so out of shape and they can like have a five foot radius of energy around them. But I definitely want to start hitting the ice again. Uh, just miss the feeling, the smell, the noise, all of it. 
Chelsea Pierce. Yeah, Chelsea Pierce. I'll take you down there. Show you a good time. Uh, first lady back or what? First lady is back. She got back uh, this weekend. Had a nice little two week trip home. See the family. Spent holidays with them. Uh, got reacquainted. So that was nice. Uh, so yeah, giving her a shout out for coming back. Still putting out with my horse shit. And you know what? This is a hockey podcast, but I want to give a shout out kind of cross promotion here for the NFL. I want to give a shout out to Cody Parkey because as heartbreaking as I was and how bad I feel for him for receiving all these death threats and shit from Bears fans in Chicago, that missed field goal, that double dunk, won your boy a, a decent chunk of change for bent on the Eagles. Oh, nice. Did, did you took the spread? I took the spread and when he lined up for that field goal, I was like, uh, mother. And then when it hit the goalpost, hit the crossbar, and bounced out. Uh, I probably sounded like I had just hit puberty with my speech. <laughs> and one other thing, too, I, like you said, I know it's a hockey podcast, but you brought it up. Good for him to actually talk to the media after the game and, and address the whole situation. Oh, yeah. Like, you know how some of those people, they're, they're just gone forever. They're, there's no words. There's no nothing. Like, yeah, I thought I had it. You finished the music, man. Yeah, and I mean, I think he feels the same way too. And one of their linemen actually defended him too, which was pretty cool because it was like, you know, you don't know the shit that we go through out there. So there's no reason why he should be receiving death threats, which is true. I mean, like Jesus Christ, you're giving the guy yeah death sports. Yeah, that's fucking twelve year olds. It ended up being where they found out that the ball was actually deflected by an Eagles lineman, so that's why it was off. Although. Otherwise, it probably would have been good. So it's not like he missed a kick. It was deflected. People still not accept that for what it is, though. Yeah. But anyway, that's enough for my cross-promotion. I will not tell you how much point I won for that, but I always appreciate a good bounce going my way as a Rangers and Jets fan. Well, with that being said, ladies and gents, I believe we're wrapping up. I don't want to say yet again, it's not a jam-packed episode. Granted, we made it an hour again, even though we were guessing it would be about a 20-minute <laughs> episode. But um, as always, thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, we'll, we'll look back to getting in touch on a normal recording day next week. Hopefully, we'll see. There's supposed to be snow Sunday, so I might be working. But um, everybody, as always, stay safe. And... Uh, you know, let's go have a party soon.